You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 33 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome onto the line it is Tom Hiscott, the author of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, doing all right, I think. Yeah, good to speak to you again. How are you doing? I'm all right. We, I've had a very busy day. Good. Um, we've recorded. We've recorded not two, but three interviews for the listeners. And um, we really are off-piste today. We normally, of course, do two manager interviews. um, But on this occasion, we've actually, we've gone completely out of left field. We're going to start this week's podcast with an interview that I've done with Adam Thurston, of course, who's a well-known groundhopper and Western League watcher. And um, what's most interesting about um, Adam's um, interview is that it features the first draw for his um, for his fundraising scheme to support um, Western League clubs. Uh, Adam is going to tell us all about that in a minute. Um, we've got a, also an interview with Gareth Paisy, who is the vice chairman of Welton Rovers Football Club. And for anybody who follows them on social media, on Facebook or on Twitter, um, you will see that they put up some fascinating um, posts about the history of the uh, of the football club and some of the great a- achievements. So we'll be talking to Gareth a bit about that and also about some of the other projects, the research projects he's done um, to look into the history of Welton Rovers and why he believes it's really quite important for all clubs to take their history um, very seriously. And finally, we also uh, we have an interview with Josh Egan, the vice captain of Bitten. Uh, now I thought it was quite important for us to get a player's take on what um, on what the lockdown is like, but of course Bitten players have got um, well, they've got a different perspective on this from most of the players in the Western League because they are desperately hoping that their mm. FA Bar semi-final will still get played. So we hear from Josh at the end of the podcast. We also have the usual features from, from Tom. I hope you've, you've, you've prepared for us, Tom, have you? Tried my best, yeah. Yeah, tried to, tried to keep on top of, uh, of, of things, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so... Right then, well, in that case, without any further ado, we'll, we'll, we'll kick things off with that interview I've done with Adam Thurston, who has been promoting over the last few days a fundraising initiative for fans of the Western League to support all Western uh, League clubs. And uh, I started off by asking Adam to explain that. Yeah, sure. So it's, I've been really, really bored, as probably everyone has been the last three, four weeks or so. Um, and I've started to see more and more tweets coming from various clubs, Western League and above, um, asking for funding, basically from their, their communities and their fans, just to try and keep them afloat during these difficult months. Um, when a time came like this, I'd try and do something. Um, spent 10 minutes in the garden thinking over what I could do and came up with this random scratch card um, thing that I've come up with. I think most people probably would have done one in a pub garden at some point with their Sunday league sides. So I just tried to create a virtual one that would benefit a couple of Western League clubs. Um, and luckily, it took off pretty quickly. Um, so hopefully there should be at least four clubs by the end of it that benefit. Now, I know you've posted um, the image of the scratch card on... Um um, on um, social media, but for those of us, um, for the benefit of those listening to uh, listening to this on radio, um, can you talk us through the general concept of, 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 of how of how this works? Yeah, sure. So I came up with a hundred blank squares, um, one of which was a secret square that obviously how scratch card works. One was a secret square that was the winning um, number, if you like. Um, I then advertised it on social media and asked people to donate two pounds per square. 
Um, and as I say, very quickly filled it up with various people, mostly placing kind of £10 on five squares. And yes, yeah, so the concept then is that the winner, that person, will win 20% of the overall pot, which is um, £40. And then that leaves £160 then to be split across two Western League clubs. Now, the way that the Western League clubs would be drawn is if you buy a, a square, you get to vote for your Western League club to get put into a hat, if you like. So, for example, Ian, you placed five squares down, so you placed five votes. Um, so people can vote however they wanted to. They could vote five club, five votes for one club, split them across five different ones, one each or a mixture of two, two and one, etc. Um, so that's that's how that's done. So the first, when we get on to the business side in a second, I'll draw the winning square for that one person to win that 40. Um, and then I'll go into the hat to draw out the final 160 to be split between two um, clubs that have a hat. Well, this, this is very exciting. The, the tension is is growing, Adam. <laughs> so, um, um, am I right in thinking that it was your fiance who selected the um, um, the, the the magic square? It was. So I I wanted to enter myself so I could place my own five votes. So I asked Jade to select um, the winning square. Um, so she she did that, um, and it turned out that I was one away. Um, so luckily I haven't won because I wouldn't want to have rigged it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've now got the winner for that that, that first square, um, which which isn't me. So I'm happy to announce that in, in shortly. Um, but yes, she did that, and then also for round two as well, which which is currently live and and moving on. Excellent. Well, I t- we'll, we'll let the listeners know how they can get involved in round two. But I think that we've made them hang on for long enough. So can we announce who has won um, the uh, the money for round one? Sure. So the winning square was G5, which is Aaron Day. Um, so I've been in conversation with him over the last couple of days on Twitter to get him involved. Um, so he is the lucky winner of that £40. So I'll, I'll be back in touch with him uh, later on this afternoon to announce or to, to let him know. But hopefully he'll hear it on the podcast as well. Um, so, yeah, I'll get in touch with him to, to communicate how we can go about getting in that money. Well, con- congratulations, Aaron. Um, Aaron. So um, what about our lucky clubs? So I can do that live as we speak. So I'm just going to try and get my camera up um, to try and film it. Um, have you got? A, have I you got? A, have you got some balls in a bag? I haven't. I've had to go virtual, unfortunately. So it's all online. I'm just going to grab a camera so I can film it to show that it's all legit. Bear with me just a second, and then we can get going. So what I've done is I've inputted all of the names onto one spreadsheet. Um, and as I say, different clubs had different numbers um, of votes based on who voted for them. Um, so there's 141 numbers written down, all associated to different clubs. Um, and what I'm going to do now is I'm going to pick the first number. So this is one of the Western League clubs that's going to win £40. So pick a random number. And that number is 107. So if I scroll down, 107 is... Devizes Town. Oh, my word. <laughs> so Devizes Town with, with is, uh, one of the winners of £40. So I should point out that Ian did give Devizes Town a vote um, and there was also one additional vote for every single club. So every club got at least one vote in the hat. Devizes were lucky enough to have two and that is why they're the winner of the first £40. Well, I'll be... That's uh, well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that would be very much appreciated. But um, let's get on to the other the other club. Sure. So pick another name. Number eighty three. 
and that is Westbury United. Where I'll be. So that's that's the first round done. So I'll be in touch with with representatives somehow of both clubs. I know Greg, the chairman of Westbury, quite well over the last couple of days, so I'm sure he'll be delighted. So I'll be in touch with him later on. I'll also have to touch base with the Vizes to let them know that they're the other lucky winners. We, 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 I have to say this, um, Adam, because of course regular listeners to the podcast will know that I, I do love my Wiltshire football. Um, and um, uh, this is the first time that you and I have ever spoken, isn't it, on the podcast? I, I was quite well, taken. Podcast, yeah. But actually, in, in, and in, I've never met you either. So um, just in case anybody thinks that there is any skullduggery out of here, th- th- this is this. <laughs> I can assure you that's not the case. Um, but I am. Um, um, I thought it was a fantastic uh, initiative. I know you really caught the imagination of a number of fans, a number of people on social media, with this. So. Really, on that note, how can the listeners get involved in your in your next round? Because potentially more clubs can benefit from this going forward, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. So round two is currently live, um, and I believe I've got, I'll give you the up-to-date figures. So I've got 46 available squares left on round two. So I say it's £2 a square, and they're welcome to get in touch with me via Twitter. Um, so my, my username is athurston underscore nineteen ninety six, but they'll also be able to find me um, via the, the Tool Station Western League Twitter account. Um, and in addition, my email address is adamthurstonwork at hotmail.co.uk. So I say if they want to get involved, they can pick a couple of squares up, as many squares as they want, and each square equals a vote for their Western League club, and that is how the club then gets hold of, of the second pot of money. And will I mean we've talked about rounds one and round two. Will there be will be that will there be more rounds in the future? Do you think? Potentially, it's all about the interest. Really, I'll keep going as long as people are interested in it. I don't want to bore people, and I don't want it to kind of force it down people's throats. But as long as the rounds are kind of filling up at a reasonable pace, then I'm more than happy to keep it going um, and, and try and come up with some other ideas as well. Well, it, it, it's a wonderful thing to do, of course, as you quite rightly said earlier in the interview. You know, we've seen many Western League clubs appealing for money. Of course, the, the match day revenue and the social revenue from their bars, from the Skittles nights, you know, that's been denied to our clubs. And the hard work of maintaining the ground and developing the facilities still goes on. So every little bit counts. And um, I think it's um, I think what you're doing is a, is a wonderful thing um, for the for the clubs. And I know that you're you know, like myself, you're a man who follows a number of of different of different clubs in the Western League so I'm sure it, you know it's great that, that there's been that interest across the league I mean on that note Adam I mean just tell us a little bit about your your interest in in Western League football yeah so I, I've been watching football via my hobby graph and as you mentioned for, for about five or six years now um, and with the Western League being my local league um, it's always been one of my favourites to, to come and watch you can get in for five or six quid and have a pint all for one one note, if you like, which is unlike higher up the pyramid. Um, and I, yeah, I really just enjoyed watching my local clubs, really. Um, I, I played for a little while with Welton last season, which was really good. Um, but yeah, just the, got the love of, of going to watch my local teams, really. So I've recently-ish moved areas to Yates, and my local team in Adship and Sobbury. Um I was at one point a beneficiary of living kind of in Bitten, so I was around that hot spot of Cainsham, Brislington, Bitten, Oldland, Longwell Green, Cabri East, um, and kind of had a, a number of games I could walk to on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, but not quite the same now, but I still get to a, a really good amount of games every season, and I'm, I'm missing it terribly at the moment. 
I mean, on a serious note, um, I, I, I certainly know, you know, I, I, I feel it as well um, at the moment. But, I mean, from your perspective as somebody who's looking at this, not necessarily just through the eyes of one of one club, um, I mean, how did you feel when you heard that the season had been, um, had been voided? It's a tricky one because I'm not necessarily surprised that it's been voided, but I'm surprised at how quickly it's happened. It just seemed, they just seem to have jumped the gun a bit. I think we could quite seriously see a, a thing happening where the Premier League and Football League are still playing their games from this season in August, and we're still sat around waiting. Um, kind of that, that step, probably three to six um, leagues. They're just going to be kind of sat around twiddling their thumbs waiting. And I think that's the risk they've got there. I don't necessarily think that it's a bad decision, but I think that the, the timeliness of it um, was far too quick. Well, on a positive note, you've been able to put the, the time that uh, this um, this stoppage ha- has given you to very good use, um, raising money for clubs. I do hope that you get the opportunity to continue doing this and that many more clubs can benefit because I'm sure at the moment, you know, every every penny does count um, towards keeping our, our clubs going. So um, thank you very much, Adam, for coming on the podcast and sharing this experience with me. It's, it's quite possibly been one of the most exciting things since Tom and I... Um, since Tom and I did the draw for the Les Phillips Cup semi-finals, I think um, I've not had this much fun for a long time, which says an awful lot more yeah, about me. <laughs> so thanks, thanks again, and um, and look after yourself. No worries, thanks a lot, Ian. And my thanks to Adam for his time. Now then, Tom, it's um, it's your it's your slot. So um, <laughs> over to you for Tom Hiscott, Self Isolation Nation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, sort of looking back on what I've been doing, I suppose not just watching. So I've been I've been reading a little bit. So I've uh, just well just started Eddie Jones's uh, autobiography, the England rugby coach. Um, I think it was written. Uh, it's it's pretty recent and it's it's um, updated. So it's got the recent World Cup. Um, looking back on that and it's yeah quite interesting. He's quite an interesting character. I mean he's a bit marmitey. I think there's quite a lot of. I think if you're um, I mean, if he was the Wales coach, I would hate him. But because he's England coach, you kind of you fall in love with him. Well, a little bit. And obviously, he used to coach Australia, so there's a lot in there that you you probably wouldn't like as well, because he was a bit of a, suppose, not a villain, but um, yeah, uh, an opponent back then. So that's it's quite an interesting read, seeing getting his perspective on things. He's quite a quite an interesting um, uh, mind uh, that he's got. So uh, that's that's been quite a good good read so that's obviously with the weather being a bit better sit out in the garden and have a little read try and stay away from watching things all the time but uh yeah plenty of plenty of stuff to to that i have been have been watching i've uh, re-watched uh, max and paddy uh, the entire series didn't take that long so that was that was good that was um yeah inspired by watching uh, peter Kay's comedy shuffle on friday night on bbc and it stood out from that so watched the yeah max and paddy um <clears throat> there's quite a lot of obviously no no live sport, which is obviously a bit of a disappointment, but we're kind of getting used to that. But uh, yeah, a few reruns that companies have obviously started to show. Uh, Masters Golf, a couple of a uh, couple of highlight uh, shows on the weekend, which I uh, tuned in for. And then there was also a couple of uh, Sky Sports uh, on Saturday. They showed uh, Ben Stokes's uh, amazing innings in the Ashes, uh, recently gone, and they had uh, players sort of live on on skype or whatever zooming in and 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 chatting through it which was really interesting to get their their perspective on what was what happened 
well, last summer. So, yeah, it was interesting. And then they did the World Cup final, uh, played out in full on Sunday and did the same thing there. So that was uh, that was good. Uh, in terms of films, I've watched the Indiana Jones um, stuff over the weekend, which BBC always seemed to show on the, on the bank holiday. You obviously didn't feel like a bank holiday with... Our current situation, but yeah, watched 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 as much of those as as I could. Uh, Titfield Thunderbolt, which is a an old old favourite from when I was used to be a, a big train fan when I was a, a little child. So quite a lot of local angles. Obviously, actually, where I work at, well, not at the moment, but uh, Monkton Coombe School in in Bath is actually quite a lot of the um, the stuff that on the on the train line, which no longer exists, but uh, that ran through almost next to my school. So. That's pretty cool to watch. Uh, so that's a film from either the 50s or the 60s. That's an old one, but a bit, a bit classic. But that was good. Uh, and then also a couple of James Bonds. Um, big James Bond fans. So, yeah, pass the time in the evenings, tuned in and watched them again for the umpteenth time. So, yeah, that was that's kind of what I've been what I've been doing this week, to be honest. A um, lot, of, lot of same old, trying to get into some sort of routine. But it's obviously a bit difficult. And, you know, weekends don't feel like weekends, do they, anymore with, without without certain things happening on, on Saturday afternoon and stuff. So, yeah, um, it's been a been another week and it doesn't look like it's, uh, yeah, it's going to change any time soon, unfortunately. No, you're, you're, you're very, uh, you're very right, Tom. It is, um, it is beginning to drag. I think I, I felt it myself actually for the, mm, for the first so. time really this, um, you know, this weekend. Um, but it is obviously interesting to hear how you're, how you're <laughs> keeping yourself entertained. And of course, it's also interesting to see how much, um, archived sport we're now getting to relive i mean mm. obviously you were talking about that incredible ben stokes um innings and um yeah we're seeing a bit more of the uh, of the, the those sort of golden oldies coming out which is a lovely segue into our next interview because um well i've known gareth paisy the vice chairman uh, of welton rovers for a very long time and i know that one of gareth's great passions is um is the history of the football club and uh, he's spent many hours researching um the club's great games and the club's great players and had to go to some extraordinary lengths um to get that information because um obviously records for the western league um aren't kept in the same way as we we have at our hand at our fingertips the um um, carling optostats and all the it's probably somebody else now isn't it's not carling anymore right but you know other drinks are available um (laughs) Anyway, I caught up with Gareth because over the last couple of weeks in particular, he's put up some absolutely fantastic posts about the glory years, the history when um, Welton Rovers were winning back-to-back Western League titles. So I thought this was a great opportunity uh, to get in touch with Gareth and ask him exactly how this labour of love began. I started, I embarked on it about three or four years ago, probably longer actually, um, mostly due to frustration at how all this information hadn't really been preserved by the club in the past. I think individual secretaries over the years had kept their own personal records, but when they'd left the club, they'd took, taken them with them rather than rather than leaving them with the club. And as a result, there were lots of stories about the glory days and the 1960s for us, but so many gaps and so many unknown years and, and missing years. And so... There are great facilities locally at the um, uh, Froome Library has the has the full vault of the Somerset Guardian, the Somerset Standard and the Midsummer Norton Journal that people can view on microfilm. The Guild Hall in Bath has the same for for the Bath Chronicle and a couple of other um, 
now no longer running Bath newspapers. I've even taken a couple of trips to Plymouth to look at the Sunday Independent archives. And for a club that's been in the Western League for, for as long as we have, uh, there's certainly a lot of information to, to organise and to, and to be remembered. So how far back have you been able to go? In detail, I've gone back as far as about 1955. It's definitely possible to go further. I think, um, if I'm being honest, I have focused my endeavours on years for which Welton Rovers supporters are still living. Um, so that we can all enjoy it at the moment. But going back, it will definitely be further to go back to um, pre-World War One. The typeface gets a lot smaller. At that point, the, the style of match report does uh, change quite uh, quite dramatically, but all the information is there, and it's and, and to me, it's fascinating. So, what have you done? Have you have you gone season by season, or have you just looked for the sort of the most juicy stories? Because obviously, recent posts you've talked about um, the, the the triple crown of of Western League wins, and of course, I also know about that famous match that the club played against Bournemouth in the FA Cup. Yeah, so that triple of, of victories, 1965, 66 and 67. I, I imagine being a Welton Rovers supporter in 1966, winning the Western League and having the World Cup final. What a summer that would have been. Uh, but there's also a lot of clippings already existing in um, in possession of Welton Rovers supporters. That, that it's clippings from that sort of era that are handed around in the bar and handed around at matches. So what perhaps I found more interesting was the the Black Sheep title that we won in 1974, which is um, which is very seldom spoken about. Um, there were a few players remaining from, from the 1960s winning seasons that had gone to Bath City and, and then come back and joined our club. But people never talk about 74, so I find that fascinating. And then there's the, there's the wilderness years of the 80s, where having been the most successful team in, in the Western League for almost up to 10 years um, was suddenly awful and we dropped down into, into the first division we have countless managers some incredibly comedic characters um, a, a gentleman called Peter DeSisto who was in charge for six months in 1990 who signed former Derby County player Alan Bailey Harry Stanley, who'd been at Chelsea and on one occasion announced to the club that he was in talks with George Best to come to Welton Rovers. There's, there's so much uh, so much fantastic stuff there and so much stuff that players, that players aren't aware of, that supporters aren't aware of and, you know, a, a history that is, is as exciting as, as some football league teams. I mean, you paint a beautiful picture there of the, the highs and lows of, of a, you know, of Welton Rovers and a, a Western League side. But of course, there's a there is a statistical element to what you're doing as well, isn't there? And I know you've taken a great deal of interest in tracking down the goal scorers for Welton Rovers. Yeah, that's, I guess finding out goal scorers is, is is the sort of cheap hit of looking at these looking at these results. Um, thanks to the incredible hard work of John Hansford, a, a, a man local to the Welton Rovers area, he, he did incredible work going back through uh, newspaper archives and charting the, every Welton Rovers resort all the way back until 1903. I think he's done similar for, for Radstock Town and, and his team, Colford, as well. He very kindly gave me his archive of results and I've taken to trying to add all the goal scorers to that. So back to 1955, I've got the scorer of every 
Welton Rovers goal except for 31 of them. So I'm desperate for the libraries to, to reopen so that I can attempt to get back into those vaults and find them. Sadly, I think these 31 uh, might be uh, just a little bit too elusive. I, I spoke to um, John Cuthbertson at Corsham Town just a couple of weeks ago because he's embarked on a similar project. I'm missing a goal from uh, a Les Phillips Cup match in, in January 2004 that Caution beat Welton Rovers 4-1. I don't know the score of that Welton goal. John had the uh, had the match report, but as so often these home match reports do, they didn't include the, the score of the opposition goal. So uh, that's elusive. It's quite interesting, that, that period of 2003 to 2004, it's... It's incredibly recent, but I'm missing a, a decent chunk, probably about 10 goals from there. And that was when when media was transitioning from, from newspapers and, and written press to the internet era. So, for example, there was a Western League website at that time. I think it launched in about 2003, but it was never archived. It was never backed up. And so there's so much information missing from there. Uh, same with the Welton Rovers website that was launched at that point, but there's no archive of it. So there's match reports missing. And a similarly difficult period of time, the end of the 1979-1980 season, um, there was a print strike, a national print strike, so no newspapers were being printed, and, and subsequently I'm missing Welton goals from nine matches from there. Um, our star striker at that point was Graham Withy, who went to play, went on to play for Bath City, Bristol Rovers, uh, top division football with Coventry City. I've even managed to speak to him personally uh, to see if he uh, if he has any scrapbooks, any any notes taken by him or his parents at the time giving away goals. And he was able to tell me that he remembered scoring a first half hat trick against Bridgewater Town once. Um, evidently, that has transpired to be one of the matches I was missing. So I'm taking his word for it. I'm adding those three goals to the list. I mean, it's, it's an incredible piece of detective work, but also it's a fascinating insight into the socio-economic history of our country. When you talk about the impact that, say, technology and the, the evolution of the internet, and also that print strike in 1979-80. Um, now, of course, we stand at a pretty important crossroads for our country, let alone our, our national game at the moment with you know, the, um, the, the, the cessation of football due to the coronavirus outbreak. And so I suppose that makes this season, the 2019-20 season, the season that never was, one of those seasons in, your, in the historical record that will be looked back on in, in years to come by people in a variety of ways, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think in, you know, in 50 years' time, there's going to be somebody in a, in a similar position to where I am now scratching their head looking at this gap in the league table and thinking well why haven't they published the league table for 2019-20 or, or similar like something like that and that's why I think it's vitally important that all clubs you know the FA has said that all results will be expunged uh, Welton Rovers and plenty of other clubs have gone on record as saying that we will count these results in our history we will count these appearances and goals in our history which I think is absolutely the right thing to do but it's important that we document those as well. I think that um, it's very easy now because of the internet, um, things are documented on social media, etc., to, to sort of take it for granted how we document those things. But things like Twitter, Facebook, um, the, the FA full-time website will not exist forever. 
and and that's why I think it's important for clubs to keep their own records. There's a a recent example. I don't know if anybody is familiar with the uh, with the sort of social networking website MySpace, which was prevalent from around 2004 to 2008. Now. Uh, in years that have gone since then, the, the new owners of MySpace have admitted to losing, I think the figure is about 80 million MP3s uh, of, of music that were uploaded to that website. Something that is digital isn't secure because these websites will disappear um, and nation will disappear with them. So I think it's, as I say, it's vital we keep our own records as, as clubs and as a league so that uh, in years to come that our club's history and the Western League's history is, is there for everybody to look back on and enjoy. I mean, it's interesting to hear that you've had a chat with John Cuthbertson. Of course, I know, I know I'm very familiar with his work. He's an excellent photographer. And I also noticed that um, Roland Millward from um, Warminster Town has put up an excellent um, um, video about, about a very famous Warminster player who went on to play for my hometown club, Portsmouth, called Billy the Farmer Boy Haynes. It's a fantastic piece of um, research. And, of course, he's a very important figure in Western League history because he scored an, an, an absolutely awesome number of goals for Weymouth back in the day. But um, there are examples of good um, sort of re- historical research, but I suppose um, not every club can, you know, has, has, the, has the facility to do, to do what you're doing. But it is so very important, isn't it, to invest in that living history of our football league? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, I'm very lucky that I have the, um, I have the time to, uh, to take these trips to libraries and to, and to consider this endeavour a hobby. Um, but I, I absolutely understand that not all clubs, all clubs do, and I'm glad they don't because I, I wouldn't want to have to queue at the library to use the microfilm <laughs> machine. Uh, but w- one thing that we all do have the facility for is making sure that our current records are, are well kept and are detailed because um, all clubs have got fantastic secretaries, fantastic volunteers carrying out this work. And the, as I say, the, the supporters of 50 years to come, the volunteers of 50 years to come, because we all hope and we'll do our best to ensure that clubs still exist in, in half a century's time. They'll all be very grateful if they don't have to, well, let's be honest, libraries probably won't exist then. I mean, just before I let you go, Gareth, we'll bring this up to the present day. Obviously, we are in lockdown at the moment. I mean, how how has it hit uh, you and the, the supporters at Welton Rovers? How is the club face um, faring at the moment? We're all doing well. We're, we're, we're a close-knit community, the, the Green Army as well, you know, so everybody is checking in on each other. The, the, the posts I've been doing on Twitter and Facebook uh, around the, the history of the club have been, um, have been fantastic for creating talking points. Uh, similarly for a couple of the players mentioned uh, quite a lot in these reports, like of Malcolm Norman and John Allen will be known to a number of Western League clubs, a fantastic servant in the in the 60s and 70s. They've been in touch and I've been sending them personalised clippings uh, showcasing their most successful moments. But yeah, the, the Green Army is, is doing well. Uh, we are, we're disappointed that, um, that the football's finished for now, of course we are, but also we find ourselves in an exciting position with the new with Tom Smith, our new manager, appointed a strong reserve team and uh, and, and new under 18s management coming in. We're we're just we're certain that when football does resume, we will be ready and raring to go. Excellent, Gareth. Thank you very much for your time. It's been great catching up with you, and I hope other clubs are able to take the example uh, of of the, of the fantastic rich history that you've been able to uncover. 
Another job, another saving. Brought to you by Toolstation. Is this all the receipts? Yes, boss. For everything we got from Toolstation? Yeah, why? I just thought we'd spend a lot more than this. I know. We got all the best brands too. Makita, Santex, Karcher, Nest. Top job, top saving. With over 15,000 trade quality products at prices that are hard to beat, we're here to save you on every job. Hard to beat. At Toolstation.com and all 340 branches. Now then, Tom, um, in addition to obviously giving us your sort of pick of the week's um, entertainment, you also you also give us a film, don't you, that you, uh, that you, you want the listeners to watch um, between now and when we next meet on next week's Toolstation Western League podcast. So, so what, um, what, have you, what is your selection for Tom Hiscott's <laughs> film 2020? This one, I think, yeah, I would, I would imagine quite a few people have, have seen it. It came out four or five years ago, I think it was. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's got um, Charlize Theron in it and also, oh, what's he called? I should have probably researched this. Tom Hardy, of course it's Tom Hardy. It's kind of a thriller minute sort of thing. It's uh, It's got quite a lot of good villains in it and stuff and they, they race through the through the, through the the desert uh, on some, and the, well, the thing that mainly stands out to me is probably the uh, the theme, the, the music that, that runs through it. Uh, it's pretty cool and it's pretty lively and I know it did pretty well uh, at the Oscars a, a couple of years back. Uh, so that's yeah, it's a good. Well, it's a as I say, if you want frills, that that's that's two hours well worth your time. So yeah, I would uh, that'd be my recommendation for the week. Did uh, did Mel Gibson make a cameo? Ooh, I'm not sure. Ooh, I don't think he did. I do like looking out for things like that. Mm, he might. I know what you mean. I think he might. There's a chance he's, he might have done it. He might have. He might have asked for too much money. He's a, he's a he's a bit of a. I understand he's he's quite a complex character. So yes. that 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 yes. might have made for that to be a very difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, within danger of me getting into legal disputes with Hollywood film stars, I think we'll move swiftly on um, to a Hollywood film star of our own. Um, of course, football fans love um, watching football, and they love watching our football players. And um, none have hit the headlines more, particularly for their exploits in um, the FA Vars than Josh Egan's bitten side. Um, Josh is the vice captain of that side. And uh, I thought he was the perfect person to have a chat with on this week's podcast about um, bitten's predicament in terms of that um, that semi-final, will it get played, won't it get played. But I started off by asking Josh how he's been feeling about living life under lockdown. Frustrating. I think every um, every non-league footballer is going to be feeling the exact same as what as what I'm feeling at the moment. Um, just just wanting to get back to normality, really. And part of that is is playing football every Saturday. So, but yeah, more frustration if anything, but has to be done. Because obviously we wouldn't have that much more to go of the season, would we? Now, um, so I mean, the fact that the season was voided, how how's that left you feeling? Would you have preferred to have sort of hung on a bit longer, even if it had meant you playing over summer? Everyone's got to follow the rules, out there. I mean, as footballers, we just kind of do as what we're told. We play when we when we need to play. Um, personally, yeah, I would have I would have liked to have played. It's, it's a long it's a long wait now until until next season. Which obviously we're still unsure about whether that's going to, what like when is going to be happening and and what's going to be going on with that. So yeah, I would, I'd like to I'd like to have played, um, but like, like we said, we're just doing doing uh, what we're sold on, really. Because I, I suppose many players who are listening to this interview will, of course, empathise with what you're saying, but they won't necessarily, unless they play for Bitten, have the same 
the the other um, element of interest in this that you have, which of course is the fact that the that the future of the FA Vars is still up in the air, and and that of course you got through to the semi final of that competition. You were going to play concert. Have you heard any news? Is there any news at all um, about whether or not you, you're going to get to, you'll get a chance to play that semi final? Yeah, there's been there's been conversations. <clears throat> I know there's been conversations from the from the powers that be and. The conversation is that it will be going ahead, um, more than likely towards the start of next next season. Um, nothing's official yet. I mean, that's that's, that's down to the FA themselves um, to make that decision, I suppose. But <clears throat> there has been conversations, and I think with uh, with our with our chairman and and the, and the FA, which is to say, like they are trying their best to, to get it to get it finished. Because I suppose for some clubs, um, you know, we're used in the in the in the Western League to, for, you know, for player registrations to sort of, um, you know, run out at the end of the season, then players might well be looking around for for another challenge in the in the in the closed season. But of course, all of you have got an added impetus to want to stick together at this time because you you know, as you say, at the moment you still might get a chance to play that semi final match. Exactly. I mean, we are, we've got a, a great great bunch of lads at the moment um, and to keep all them together would, would be a massive massive bonus for us um, and having that having that still <coughs> in the balance like we said is, is a massive draw for us as a club I mean we, we're going to try our best to keep as many as we can but with how well that we have done this year there will be there will be clubs coming from higher coming in for a few of our, our, our lads as well we know that but hopefully we can keep hold of them because we want to we want to try and uh, win that vase. Well, the, the weird thing is that I'm sure you would have um, you would have thought that you would have done a bit better in the league campaign this season. Obviously, you were um, you had a good push um, for promotion the season before, and of course, many Western League watchers thought that you were going to have another one. So, it, it, bizarrely, if you are able to keep that side together, not only hopefully will you get the chance to play in that FA Vars semi final, but also perhaps you'll get a second bite at the cherry um, to be a bit more competitive in the league um, when when we do finally resume. Definitely. I think we were we were very disappointed with how we, we performed in the league this year. <clears throat> Maybe slightly slightly preoccupied by, by the VARs in some cases mentally. Um, some players not wanting to get injured and having their mind on the VARs instead of the league. We, that's just the level we play at at the moment. But um, to definitely get more consistent throughout the league and the Cups would definitely be, a, be something that we're going to be looking towards next year. Because... Um, to be honest, in the league we, we weren't we weren't at it and we wouldn't we wasn't uh, seeing our full potential definitely because we we should we should be pushing we should be pushing for promotion um, with the players that we do have around us. Because can, can you give us an insight into what it must have been like in in going into the the final sort of couple of weeks of the season as it was for you? Because I mean I know a lot of my time was spent looking at. at discussions that the Western League were having with the Football Association to try and get an extension to the season because, of course, the terrible weather delays that we'd had um, over the winter period had, had, had meant that a lot of clubs found themselves playing a huge amount of games in a very short period of time. And when we look at your fixture roster, particularly because of those important FA Vars semi-finals, a two-legged fi- fixture for you, of course, it actually meant that you were, you were left with the prospect of playing in consecutive days. Now, I mean, how did you and the squad feel about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we, we we looked ahead at a few of our fixtures that were in the coming weeks, and I think we had a, a Wednesday, Thursday, or a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday week um, at one point, and obviously that gets sent into into our group chat, and everyone's going, well, how how is that possible? <laughs> if you're you like the older lads and thinking, how are we supposed to be, we can just about do two games in a week, how are we going to manage four? Um, but... It's, we we have a good squad. We do, we do have a good squad. Um, but it, how how much can you rotate a squad for four games in one week? Um, I mean, we're, we were a little bit frustrated because if you if you if you take back to the start of the season, um, we had at one point three weeks off from the league. Um, now that's just how the fixtures fell. But were we not playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday? Were the weather's good? Early on, because we, we I think we've, we've learnt now from the past that it does just get a massive build up towards the end, and hopefully we can, hopefully they can, uh, they can sort that out. I mean, it's an interesting point you raise there because, of course, some people who are critical of the idea of front-loading the season suggest that actually player availability isn't what it um, it could be earlier in the season, and that with such a seasonal economy that we have in the southwest of England, a lot of players' jobs might be dependent upon sort of holiday-based um, employment. But I mean, from your position as a player, do you think that the squad that you're part of collectively would prefer to get some of those matches in early in order to um, in order to avoid um, that, that sort of long period of, 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 of no football, I, I think uh, yeah. As as a, as a squad, um, on a, on, from a bit in perspective, definitely, um, we, we we would definitely prefer a load up uh, at the start at the start of the season, then having three to four games in seven days towards the end. Um, especially when there's there's things to play for towards the end. I mean, that can really, really, really like. Uh, go against you if, if you're playing three to four times in a week and you're actually trying to go for something, go for the league, and your your players are tired, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it can really have a negative effect. Ironically, of course, Plymouth Parkway could have found themselves in exactly that situation had they managed to overcome their opponents in the FA Vars. They were, I mean, going round for round with you, weren't they, in that competition? And of yeah. course, they very much still had the um, had the league to um, to compete for. Now, success is a wonderful thing, but I mean, from a player's perspective, that would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? To be to be so close to success, but to have to really make such sacrifices at this level of football. Exactly that. I mean. You can you could get to the to the semi-finals of the Vars if they would, and they could have missed out on the league or come third or second or third, and you've you've come away from that season with nothing. When really, you've actually had a well, you would have had a fantastic season if the fixtures would have fell right, and you wouldn't have been playing so many games in so many in so many days. Is 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 a real tough one because you you could potentially be winning something, <clears throat> but due to the amount of games and that we're playing, you could come away with absolutely nothing. Just before I let you go, Josh, um, one last question really to do with, with, with how your season went. You were Bitten's leading goal scorer, I believe. Were you happy with your performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I felt personally. I, I had a good, a good year. Um, I think I was, my own, I was on 27 in all, in all comps, which personal, personal note for me, well, I, was, I was really pleased with. Um, but like I said, hopefully we can hopefully we can kick on next year and keep all the boys together because like, like you said we have got we have got a great squad down there and a great great set of lads on and off the pitch um, so we can we can just kick on for it next year really and do a and get ourselves into the summer league 
I mean, many of the people listening to this, of course, will be fans. And um, for those of us who've not been fortunate enough to be able to play Western League um, football, I would imagine that the, the achievement of scoring a goal in a competitive game, be it in the Vars or the Western League, must be a great feeling. You've obviously got more than your fair share, so you'd know. But how does it make you feel when you hear that the Football Association say that goal-scoring records and appearances will be expunged as if this season never took place? <laughs> On a personal note, obviously... It's probably my best scoring year, so that's not ideal. But you just you just take it in football. You, you take you take a lot, and you just kind of ride with it. I, I think you, you get to learn that as you get older. You just kind of just roll with the punches a little bit, to be honest. So if that's how it has to be, that's, that's kind of what it is. Well, we we know you got the twenty-seven, and you know you got the twenty-seven, <laughs> and I'm sure Bitten's fans do as well. Josh, thank you very very much for taking the time to speak to the podcast, and I really do hope, and I know all of the listeners feel the same way. We really do hope you get the chance to play in that semi-final. Brilliant, thank you very much. And my thanks to Josh. Um, for his time. Now, this really has been an absolutely action-packed episode of the uh, of the Tool Station Westernly podcast. I've no idea how we're going to top it next week, but Tom and I will be back. Have you got anything <laughs> planned? Have you got anything coming up? You're going anywhere nice, Tom, over the next seven days. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, no, nothing, nothing on the horizon, unfortunately. How about yourself? <laughs> no, I think I'm very much um, here for the foreseeable future. Feels like it, doesn't it? Yes, we. We, um, I mean, just to give you a life of the, you know, just to give you some insight into what goes on at Knockholds Towers, we mm. are potty training at the moment. Oh, okay. Not me, I hasten to add, but. Well, um, no. I mean, frankly, if ever there was a reason to get out of the house, it would be that because it's not, it's not going as well as the first time round we did it. But anyway, mm. never mind. Um, so, <laughs> I don't even know. I think I might have to edit that bit out. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. good. <laughs> anyway, um, well, we're all going stir crazy here, but um, we'll come back for more on next week's Tool Station Western League Podcast.